Welcome to the Vitality Shift Podcast for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. Weekly, we will be interviewing amazing chiropractors from around the world, finding out how they made their vitality shift. If you're a chiropractor that either wants to just move your practice away from treating pain and conditions, or if you just want to stay inspired, this podcast is for you. For more information on past shows, please visit www.drdonmcdonald.com and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Vitality Shifts for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host. And uh, today uh, I get to actually interview a really good friend that we've known for a long time. We've worked with him uh, and his wife uh, closely. Um, they are fellow Canadians. They practice in Kelowna in Canada, in, in British Columbia. This is kind of one of our possible retirement spots as long as their government doesn't go off the rails in four years. <laughs> and uh, and, and, and they, they not only have a great practice, so they work together in chiropractic and had a, a great chiropractic story, but um, but my guest here has had a, had a, a huge health challenge that he's just successfully um, overcome. And I think it's a really important uh, story to share with all of our listeners out there. So I first want to get into getting into his chiropractic story. And then I want to get into his, uh, his recovery, his restoration story, um, because it's, it's a, it's a really an amazing story. So I want to welcome uh, Dr. Kevin Holroyd to the podcast. Welcome, sir. Uh, thanks, Don. It's great to be here. Finally, we tried to set this up and then I, I took a, like a one-year hiatus from the podcast. And so it was like, we were going to do this about a year ago. And then I was like, oh, and then I'm like, okay, let's, let's get this rolling again. So, so yeah. welcome. I'm finally, I'm glad we got you on. Yeah. No better time than the present. Let's <laughs> Exactly yeah. too. And we've got some time that's gone by too in, in that, uh, in that time frame. So this will, this will be great for our listeners. So, so like I like to do with all my listeners is just basically, or my, my guess is just get your story of what, what interested you in chiropractic in the very first place. Well, in the first place, uh, I, I grew up with chiropractic. I was uh, just a toddler when I first got adjusted. I was 18 months old, had asthma, quite, quite bad asthma, and started getting adjusted actually here in Kelowna because we lived in Kelowna at that time. And uh, obviously, I don't remember my first adjustment, but my mom said when uh, I got adjusted, and by the time we got to the bridge, I think a 10-minute drive, I was already breathing a bit better. And... and uh, Grew up going to the chiropractor regularly. It was just part of my health and lifestyle. And uh, yeah, I've always uh, kind of known I wanted to be a chiropractor since I was an early teenager, I guess. And saw lots of different chiropractors growing up. We moved around quite a bit. Um, and every five or six years, we moved to a different town and saw different chiropractors. And um, yeah, changed my life. And I um, so I lived the lifestyle. That's great. And so like you, you, did you have a time where you thought that I'm going to be a chiropractor or was it, was it just kind of always just inferred in your brain that you're going to be one? Um, I think that's kind of goes to that, you know, the old expression that, you know, like chiropractor calls you. And I, I really felt that. And, um, it was probably middle school kind of that I really decided. So as soon as I got out of high school, I went straight to do my, just the, what I needed to get into chiropractic college and went straight to chiropractic college. And, uh, yeah, and got out and uh, it was kind of felt like uh, it was funny when I first started practice because uh, some of the patients thought I was too young to be a doctor. But <laughs> I remember, I remember we, you know, we even hired older staff at first. Was, uh, 
Yeah, we were young and yeah. But, That's what uh, I had the same problem. And I was so excited when I finally turned 30 because then I could say I was 30 because, you know, we, yeah. had the, we had the baby faces, which now as we get older, we're happy we had the baby faces. Uh, because like yeah. I said, you've been in practice basically the same. We graduated around the same time. So about 25 years of practice. So we still have baby faces, even though we've been practicing for 25 years. Right? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So how did you pick your chiropractic school? Um, well, I, uh, I didn't want to live in Toronto. <laughs> I love the West coast. I, at that time I was living in, yeah, well, I was going to UVic in Victoria and, uh, yeah, I wanted to stay on the West coast. So it was basically a location and it was also a funny thing was looking back now, it's not the best choice, but I looked at which schools did the best on the Canadian boards because I knew I wanted to come back to Canada mm-hmm. and, uh, the Western States at the time did really well on the boards. And, uh, but I mean, if, and, uh, it, it, it's all, it was a good choice. I mean, that's where I met Susan, my, my wife, and it was yes. uh, meant to be. We well, had to find our philosophy after school, but yes but, uh, yeah yeah well i find it's funny because when i went to chiropractic school uh, in palmer the, the philosophy was actually quite good there and it's funny because sometimes you can get a little bit lazy if you go to school and it's just around you all the time and and if you have to go to a place where it's totally opposite you you almost learn how to kind of fight for it or be able to stand up for it or stand or 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 really drive yourself towards it because it's not always around you so as d martini says your voids always drive your value so sometimes you know, we've I've interviewed a lot of chiropractors have been to some pretty pain-based schools and they've uh, turned out to be quite uh, principled in our brand. So it's yeah. uh, as, as long as you hang around the right people and do the right things after <laughs> you're good, right? Yeah, good point. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so when you came out, um, you uh, you you associated at, at first, right? For that first year? Yeah, because Sue was a year behind me in school. So I went up and I worked up in Fort St. John. Like, actually, it was kind of an odd situation. The chiropractor I was working with at the time had a clinic up north that was doing, was very successful. And then he had a, he just bought a smaller clinic in Abbotsford. And so we switched each month. I'd be up north up for a month and then down in Abbotsford a month. And uh, it was uh, definitely a learning experience. It's, yeah, it learned a lot and learned uh, you know, the importance of following through with patients too, because when you're gone every month, it's, it was kind of a different situation, but, but it was, it was a good, good experience. And then, and then, uh, then Sue, Sue graduated <clears throat> and we got married in January of 98 and opened our practice in March of 98 and, uh, wow. never looked back. Yeah. That's cool. So, um, because it, you, you had kind of an interesting uh, process where you started off because you're, you're, you had asthma, even though we don't treat conditions, but <laughs> yeah. you, uh, you were expressing restricted of breathing problem. And, uh, and then you went to a chiropractor and that helped. And then you went to a uh, school that was pretty pain-based that really didn't, probably didn't uh, uh, recommend that type of chiropractic care. And then you yeah. went back in practice. So how did that work at the beginning of practice? Did you have to kind of like go to some seminars or, or were you kind of <clears throat> on the right track right away? Or how did, how did your first few years of practice roll out? You know what? It was a, that's a good point. I mean, the fellow I was working with first, he had, he had a really good philosophy. So uh, that was really good. That was very helpful. And then we met some really awesome mentors really early in our career. Like I met Charlie Ward and, and he, he took us under his wing at first because, you know, we we're the broke students and uh, we actually gave him a ride from a seminar to the airport and he saw the, your our old car and he, and uh, at, at the uh, at the seminar he's like giving us all his tapes and stuff and he, and uh, it was a huge start I mean I remember listening to all his tapes and kind of getting going and then and then uh, met, then we met up with a, a chiropractor that I had known from my 
my hometown from Abbotsford, uh, Dr. Barwell, and he just started coaching. Yeah. And so we uh, coached with Dr. Barwell for a few years, for quite a few years, and he's actually uh, yeah, still a mentor. We actually just had dinner with him this summer when he was up uh, visiting, and and then uh, went to different different coaching things over the years, and then met up with you guys uh, years, oh, I guess quite a few years ago now, and uh, started uh, learning lots of you. And just uh, it's always been about the tribe. Like every even all the coaching seminar stuff we did yeah. about the tribe. And that's that was a weird thing with the the COVID all the COVID situation with not being able to get together. I mean, we were, cause we were coaching with, with master circle uh, during COVID and, yeah. and, uh, but it was all by phone. And I mean, it was, it was awesome. Cause he really helped me through, uh, well, Dennis Perman, uh, master really helped me through my challenge. We'll talk about in a few minutes, I'm sure. But, um, so it was awesome. Awesome. Having that coaching, but having, just having the right people around. And I mean, I, God put the right people in my lives right times and uh it's been uh it's been awesome it's been quite the journey but awesome yeah well that's why it's, every time we come in the summer we always end up going out for lunch with you guys or something like that just because you always yeah. everywhere we go we have our, our chiropractors skin kit for us too like we want to always keep that co-regulation and connect with the with the tribe because we're always dealing with the we call it the mass consciousness on a regular basis and and uh we definitely need to kind of get recharged among like-minded chiropractors so that's uh that's cool. So, yeah. so let's talk about this, this, this challenge you had, because like a lot of people <laughs> have a, have a challenge because, you know, they get divorced or they, uh, or, or they're, they're just not getting enough new patients or they have a hard time, like getting people on care plans or doing recalls. Uh, but sometimes there's a, a more of a big challenge. And so why don't you tell listeners yeah. a little bit about how, how that whole started that challenge started? Well, yeah. So, uh, um, back in February, 2020, I got, I got really sick. Uh, and I now, now know that it was COVID and we were down in a seminar in California, got back and got super sick. I mean, I haven't missed, I probably missed a couple of days of work my whole 25 years, but that was at, at lunchtime. I told that on Thursday, I told Steve, you know what, I got to go home. I can't, can't work this afternoon. You're going to have to come to my patients. And I was super sick anyways, um, better in a couple of days. But then a couple, then this uh, small cyst started appearing on my back, and uh, <clears throat> about three weeks later, um, a good friend of ours, who's a medical doctor, was over at our house getting adjusted, and she's like, "Hey, can you take a look at this cyst on Kevin's back?" <clears throat> and he said, "Sure." And then he said, "Oh, yeah, it looks like a sebaceous cyst. Just come into the office. I'll cut it out." So that Friday, Friday the thirteenth, March thirteenth, <laughs> I went into his office to. And got it removed, and uh, you know, I I remember he was he was cutting away and talking with me, chatting. He's he's a friend of mine too, and and then also he got quiet and was tugging away and just was kind of it felt a little different energy. I didn't really think too much of it, and then uh, he asked me to drop off the sample at the lab, to, you know, at the pathology lab. So didn't think too much of it. Went skiing that weekend, well, a bit of pain from the shoulder, but uh, and then two weeks later I got this odd text from from Andy from a, a medical doctor. It just said, hey, uh, do you think you and Sue can swing by the office around two o'clock? And uh, I just want to check on your back. And I thought, that's kind of strange to ask for Sue to come. But I thought, okay, whatever. And then as soon as I walked in the office, I knew something was up. He asked us to, it was during COVID, so there's nobody around in the office. They uh, bring us to the room, asked us to sit down. 
And then uh, <coughs> says to, to both of us, you know, not, not in a million years would I ever thought that that cyst was what it is. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry to say it's a metastat metastatic melanoma. And uh, <coughs> so the, uh, so he said that, you know, like we learned back in school, you know, a few years back, it'd be a two to six months to live kind of diagnosis with being metastatic like that. So he, he had me go uh, to the x-ray lab that day. And so I went over to the x-ray lab and got the x-rays of my lungs done. And uh, being a chiropractor, I asked the tech, I said, hey, do you think I can take a look at the x-rays? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And uh, in hindsight, I was thinking, oh, man, I should have done that. Because I looked at the x-rays and my lungs were full of cancer, both sides. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, and here I am in the lab and I have to go out to the car where Sue's waiting for me and tell her what's going on. And so get to the car and tell her what's going on. And then, uh, so a couple of days later, I had the CT to see, you know, how, how much metastasis was and found out at that time it had metastasized to my, to my uh, liver, to my chest wall, um, and then uh, a couple other spots. And um, so anyway, so they said, but they said they <clears throat> had to wait to the final diagnosis because at the time it, it could still have been um, small, uh, small cell carcinoma. Um, cause it appears similar, I guess, uh, with path. So we're waiting for some testing from the BC cancer in Vancouver and waiting and waiting. And, uh, meanwhile, the tumor started growing on my back again. And, uh, so we're waiting this two weeks later, three weeks later, this tumor is now the size of a, a golf ball and getting really painful. And, and then, uh, four weeks later, it's the size of a tennis ball and, oh, wow. and uh, a lot of pain. I was having trouble sleeping. So, uh, so anyways, uh, my doctor and the, and the, uh, had talked to the, to the skin specialist that, that was the surgeon that was going to re remove it. And they decided they should remove it because even though we're waiting for the diagnosis, it was just growing so quickly. So I had the surgery at the end of April, like a month later. And then uh, a couple of days after the surgery, I get a call from, from my medical doctor at night. It was about nine o'clock at night. And he goes, Hey, I want to, I want to come uh, more and talk to you for a bit. And then he came over and, to our house and he basically came over to, to, a, to uh, warn us to, to apologize for it. The uh, BC Health had never sent the, the, uh, the original sample from Kelowna down to Vancouver to get tested. It was still sitting in the Kelowna hospital. And, uh, but he came in to tell me because I was meeting the oncologist the next morning and he said, you know, don't be mad at the oncologist. She's, she's more mad about this than anything else. And, uh, and so he came to, to kind of tell us what's going on. And so in the next the meet, the first time I met with the oncologist was basically just her apologizing for the system that had screwed up. Cause you know, if they, if they given me two to six months to live without, you know, without care, then we've already wasted five weeks we'll plus. So it was obviously stressful. But it uh, it sped up everything, and I started immunotherapy that next week. And uh, and but it but in hindsight, as soon as I was diagnosed, I uh, I started calling different people that that God had put in my lives over the years that with cancer, and it started uh, talking to um, different people and started setting up a a plan to you know to get healthy. And so an interesting thing, a couple things that just happened uh, coincidences, God incidences. Um, 
the month before I was diagnosed, I ran into a naturopathic friend that was kind of bragging about just getting a hyperbaric chamber. And uh, I thought, oh, that's cool. I'll have to check out sometime. And, anyway, so when I was diagnosed, you know, uh, it was one of the first calls I made to almost to see if I could, you know, use his hyperbaric chamber. And and he was he was like, oh, yeah, sure. He gave me a key to his clinic so I could use it every day. And uh, and then uh, and I also started... Uh, I was already taking Immunical, which is a glutathione pre- precursor for glutathione, helps with detox and helps with you know, white blood cell generation. And and, it was, and I reached out to a, another chiropractor out in West Virginia that, that does a lot of cancer work too. And he, he looked over a bunch of stuff we'd already started and added in a few other things with, yeah, uh, um, he recommended red light therapy and PEMF. So I got a PEMF mat too. And, Different things, and then uh, yeah, and, and I mean another thing that was was huge in my care too is I I just uh, had bought a brain tap at, at Chirofest, uh the September before, so I'd already used using brain tap for for meditation, and I don't know what I would have done without that. Can you can you explain what that is, just so if people don't know what that is? <clears throat> oh yeah, so brain tap is uh, is basically a, a headset that has LED lights that go around your ear, a regular LED lights, and then across your a visor to go across your eyes and then uh, you listen to a, an app that has different <clears throat> different meditations that it basically helps your brain to go from that high beta down to th- theta alpha and delta um to get to sleep and then uh basically it helps with meditation helps with, and it was it was huge because when i was up at uh especially when that tumor was growing again i was up you know in the middle of the night couldn't sleep i put that back on and then sleep and be able to get back to sleep and um, I also learned about grounding at that time too. So, you know, some nights I was out on the grass, luckily we live here in Kelowna. So I was out in the, in the, in the spring, you know, it was, it was still April, but we were, it was nice outside. So I was walking around on the grass and, uh, just grounding. Cause that actually gave me quite a bit of relief too. Yeah. And, uh, and so yeah. just for grounding, like for people listening to that's just like basically barefoot off barefoot, feet on the earth. Feet on the earth. Yeah. And we, we bought some grounding, uh, stuff for our beds too, that, like, well, I mean, when when I bought a fire bed, we also bought it for our kids, three kids' beds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was actually that. But that was the hardest thing too. Was the the day, like you know, the day after getting diagnosed, uh, actually having to tell our kids what happened or what was going on. Like our kids at the time were, I guess, uh, sixteen and sixteen, eighteen, twenty, and uh, yeah. So it was it was a difficult, but uh, um, the kids are. Uh, the support with the from Sue and from the kids was was the really what got me through this too. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> also diet wise, um, because oh, yeah. I, I know you really clean that up. I know we went out for dinner with you a couple times, so <laughs> yeah. just in the peak of this, and so just maybe tell everybody what you did diet yeah. wise. Yeah, so diet wise, like right in the beginning, I I went off. Like I mean, I, as soon as I was diagnosed, I stopped drinking completely. Um, I drinking alcohol. Uh, at first I went completely vegan, uh, for about six weeks. Um, and then I was juicing and stuff, but then I, then I started, um, switching to more of a keto diet, um, ketogenic with, but with kind of a, uh, with a bit of a vegetarian, uh, push to it too. Like, so I was eating, I used to eat meat, but very just clean meat and lots of vegetables. And then, uh, I was doing fasting, um, I'm still am actually, um, so I was intermittent fasting regularly as well as, um, one day, two day and three day fasts. And I, I would fast before, uh, 
like before therapy, like before immunotherapy, because uh, the fasting helps with, with the immunotherapy. Um, and then I also was fasting before my vitamin C, like kind of, kind of rotated, but because I, I was also doing IV vitamin C. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I think in, in hindsight, like what I was saying was, I was I'm kind of like a lot of people ask, like, why, you know, why, why didn't you sue the hospital or sue, you know, like take, you know, because it, you know, with that big delay, but you know what i think it was meant to be like because that was when i really got the the holistic plan together and i don't know if i had started immunotherapy without doing all that work uh, you know i may not have survived immunotherapy because immunotherapy the first couple rounds really kicked me like i was in the hospital one uh, up to the second round for a few days um and uh just had a lot of pretty big side effects and, and i know now <clears throat> because now that i've gone through this uh patients oftentimes will tell me about friends that have been diagnosed and, you know, ask for kind of what I've gone through. And, and I've seen a few people that, you know, started immunotherapy without doing the right things first. And they, they actually, the immunotherapy, they didn't survive basically. So I, you know, it's a, you know, that's one of the biggest things I learned with this, uh, with this diagnosis and with going through this is that the most important thing with the health challenge is just being my own advocate because, even later on, like later on, I found out in the summer that uh, the tumor, I had got a couple tumors in uh, in my brain because they weren't originally in my brain. And it might have been the delay that kind of got that up there too. But uh, so when when they, when they discovered two tumors in my frontal lobe, um, that was uh, another hit. Like I thought we were just thought we were doing better and then got that. And uh, so my oncologist referred me to the neurosurgeon first. The neuro- neurosurgeon was kind of a little bit, nonchalant about oh yeah we'll just go in there we'll cut it out and uh you know it's right there in the frontal lobe it's not too deep it's pretty it's a perfect place to go to surgery and we're like okay and then so sue luckily sue was there with me sue's like uh so what are the risks with that and he's like oh there's a you know a small chance you could die maybe a 10 percent chance you could die but you're healthy maybe a three percent chance you could die and there's always a chance of stroke with the brain surgery you know, and, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, but, uh, you know, you'll, you'll do that. And then so we're like, okay, well, what about radiation? And he's like, oh, yeah, do that too. Yeah, we, you know, like, do the, after the surgery, you can do the radiation. And they go, okay. And so luckily, uh, my sister's actually the dean of medicine at University of Calgary. So I was talking to her about it. And, and I was so fortunate that she had a connection with a neuro, neuro-oncologist that specializes in cancer surgery a brain surgery cancer and uh he said that from his experience when he was in the states with melanoma <clears throat> the best thing is is one high dose radiation it's very specific radiation with a gamma knife and so um because locally here in Kona they want to do multiple lower dose radiation so i'd have like five or six separate radiations to total like 40 rad or gray and then, uh, but he said it's best to have one high dose. And uh, so, so anyway, so I was talking to the radio oncologist about that, and and he's he actually was he was good. He said, you know what, I don't really know about that. I've never heard that that melanoma can get resistance, kind of like antibiotic resistance, where where bacteria gets resistant to antibiotics. And so he went out. He left the the room, the consultation room, and went and did a little bit of research, and then came back and said. You know what? Like, uh, there's a there's a gamma knife in Vancouver, and they can actually get you in there quicker than we can even start here. So, 
wanted to give that a go. And uh, so that, that fall, the fall, September 2020, we went down to Vancouver. I got my mask fitted. That The mask is basically a plastic mask that pins you to the table so you can't move at all. So I couldn't move my head at all. And, uh, and then the following week, went back and had uh, an MRI done with the mask like, being pinned to the table. And then they, then they um, from that, they, with the physics, figured out exactly the, the direction that the high-dose radiation needed to go in. And to uh to blast the the tumors and it was uh that's crazy technology was, eh? that's crazy know, technology they can just like hit like a like a millimeter just right in your brain just like boom i know and it was weird and you know at the time i remember talking to you actually i think that summer i was saying that you know i'll either uh maybe i'll come back with some spidey senses or something <laughs> superhero suddenly yeah. turn green and like bust out of your shirt or something <laughs> unfortunately it didn't happen i don't think <laughs> no. but yeah but yeah. So, so, so then you did that and, and that was obviously successful. So did they just like kind of basically just blast out that tumor and then when it- Yeah. <clears throat> so it basically there's two different tumors and they did, yeah, there was, um, yeah, there was, they blasted one for, there's multiple angles for about 10 minutes and then they gave me a break where I can get up and get on the mask and move around a bit. And then, then they did the other tumor and then, uh, <clears throat> follow up on MRI about, I think it was about eight weeks later, showed a significant reduction. And then, and then the following MRI just shows a little bit of scar tissue. And now I still get regular CTs of my full body and then MRIs of my brain. And the tumors are all, um, they're, they're basically just uh, scar tissue now. There's a couple of very small remnants in my brain. And then they, they, in my lungs, there's just some scar tissue and, but the PET scan showed that nothing's active and it's all, all clear. And uh, so I'm still, uh, yeah, so I'm super thankful. And, you know, the funny thing, actually, one other thing that happened in the summer, um, after my second uh, dose of immunotherapy, um, I just got out of the hospital. And I, was, I was actually, I was at work and adjusting and, you know, that was during COVID, so it wasn't that busy. So between patients, I was up in the front of the office looking out in the parking lot. I think I told you a story. Yeah. And uh, looking out in the parking lot and this, uh, this huge wind came up and this garbage blew across our parking lot. So I went outside, picked up what I thought was garbage, picked it up. And it was this piece of paper with, a, with an image of the Virgin Mary from uh, seeing Croatia and, uh, on art paper, just not a scratch on it, nothing. It was like, but it was perfect timing because at the time I was feeling like mentally down, like I was thought, thought I was done. And, uh, but seeing that image, I knew that God had me. And, and, uh, so uh, it was uh, pretty amazing. So I framed that picture and put it up in my, in my office in front of my desk. And uh, it was a reminder that of, uh, you know, my journey through this, but that, uh, I know that uh, I, um, there's a reason why I'm still alive. I, I keep going and figure out why I'm still alive and <laughs> keep going my purpose. <laughs> so just a question. Um, so in the medical route, when you got the immune therapy, like what was the, what was the treatment plan? I don't want to say oh, yeah. plan, treatment plan. What was yeah. like, so someone's just going through medical role. What, what is that kind of? Yeah. So, so, so every two weeks I would go in um, to the cancer clinic and have an IV. The first <clears throat> It was supposed to, the first four rounds were supposed to be two different drugs. Um, yeah. and one, um, and so the, uh, one, one of the drugs was basically cancer, uh, cancer basically hides away from the immune system. So it, 
Um, the OneDrive was basically designed to to kind of bring down that force field that around the consumer essentially to kind of simplify it so that my immune system can see the cancer. Yeah. And then the second the second immunotherapy drug um, actually went in and uh, gave them t- my T cells vision to see the cancer so that those uh, those T cells can kind of find the cancer all over and, and uh, work on on healing it up. And that's why I was glad that I did all the work to build up my immune system before starting immunotherapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so th- when doing the two drugs was a little too much, I could only do two rounds of it. The, the side effects were getting so severe that we, d- we couldn't continue with both. So I had to go down to just one <laughs> early, but, but by that time that my body was already kicking in and the tumors were, were already starting to reduce. So, um, but it was also another thing when, when I went down to one, each time I had the immunotherapy, when I went in, uh, my uh, liver liver enzymes spiked each time, and they went up to um, twelve times normal. Which, um, you know, the oncologist usually said that the protocol is if you're if you go eight times normal, we got to cut you off. But I was recovering quick, so within a few days, my liver enzymes were back down to normal. And mm-hmm. again, I give that to everything that I was doing to support my liver through, you know, Aminocal and through his liver uh, support products that, you know, some of the stuff we, we, uh, carry, uh, we, we, um, they found out through some of the suppliers that we use in our office. Um, obviously in the office, we don't do that <laughs> directly for cats or anything, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, those suppliers had some great, uh, holistic, uh, natural products that, uh, and so because I was covering, she, she kept going, okay, we'll do one more and see how you do one more and see how we do it. Cause, if I wasn't able to do immunotherapy, there wasn't too many other options. And, mm. and again, we, I have a, a good friend that's, um, his, some of the work for, for him, that she, she was going through melanoma and, and she couldn't handle the immunotherapy and she's, she's not doing very well at all to right now. So, mm. so I'm super thankful that, uh, I was, uh, able to have a good team of support and, uh, and getting through it. It's almost like is at the beginning, like you said, you had to increase your resilience, your bounce back, because when you're going through that immunotherapy, it's like you're just getting kind of pelted and it'd be like, it'd be like training. I'd, I'd think of it like exercise training, like the better shape you're in, you can have a hard workout, but then you recover quicker so that you can have another hard workout, but your, your body's kind of just getting pelted. But if you don't have that, that the reserves we always talk about that yeah. in chiropractic care, the healthier you are is your reserves. We all get knocked down, but Brandy always talks about that little punching bag thing. Like when you're a kid, like yeah. you'll, you'll take your hits, but we want to be able to pop back up like quickly. Hey. And I think also, I mean, the biggest thing too, is the mental reserves too. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that I had great support. Like um, I, I decided I wasn't going to look at any research that showed that it wasn't successful. And like, I was just looking at what people did to, to survive and then, you know, Sue was helping out. She was looking at the whole picture. So, I mean, she had to look at some of the unsuccessful stories and stuff. But I, I, my mindset was, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to survive. Whether I'm going to throw everything at it and uh, I'm going to survive. And, you know, the mental, I mean, again, too, with uh, the day after, back to the day after I was diagnosed back in, so it was March, I was diagnosed March 31st. So April 1st. Our priest called called the house and and he's like, oh, I'm just calling some prisoners because of that, because of COVID, everything's shut down, and just calling some prisoners to see how everybody's doing. And I was like, wow, do you really want to know? He's yeah, like, yeah, no joke. Good to tell me. Like, 
oh, it's just diagnosed with stage four melanoma. <laughs> and he's like, so anyway, wow. so he started a prayer chain at eight thirty. He said, do you, do you mind if uh, I put, I, you know, put this out for prayer in the, you know, in the church bulletin and stuff. And, and so anyways, um, I said, yeah, that'd be great. And, uh, uh, you know, get people praying. So then the next week though, Sue's reading through the church bulletin and uh, she's reading about this young family with uh, three kids and the dad, you know, just was diagnosed with like terminal cancer. And, and, uh, and Sue's like, wow, listen to this, this poor family. They, they don't, they have, they probably have no idea what to do. Actually, you know, and you know, that's how surreal this whole thing felt. So yeah. I, I was like, Sue, that's, that's us. And then uh, she's like, wow, you know, this, it, it it really did like I know Brandy's talked about this before, but it, it felt like a bad movie. Like it didn't feel like we were really in it. It felt surreal. Like we were. You become like dissociated, real. right? Because yeah, exactly. revival mechanism, you dissociate from your body. So then when you read it, you're like, wow, that sounds like a crazy story. And then it's like, oh, that that's actually my story. Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we uh, we did uh, EMDR with a, a therapist about a year after my diagnosis, and that was. So rapid, uh, rapid eye movement desensitization. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, that was interesting because it pulls out stuff from your subconscious. Like you're watching this, like I was um, watching these lights go back and forth and it kind of gets your brainwave down into kind of a light theta um, brainwave pattern. So you're, you're, uh, but you're still conscious. So then things just kind of pop up in your, your head. And it was, it was really powerful experience because I remember it, I didn't realize really realize how much that seeing the x-rays of my lungs, how much that really, and how hard it was to go out and tell, cause I was just kind of doing it right. Pushing through. And then, uh, but then that really opened up like, uh, uh, how much that really affected me. And, and, uh, by, by discovering that the, uh, the therapist we were working with, uh, she was able to kind of keep kind of talking to her. That had me talk it out. And, uh, and then it had less of a, less of an impact on me, uh, emotionally mentally and but i didn't even know just like how we don't know that things that are affecting us because they're subconscious and they're yeah. in there but they don't they're not consciously aware of how it's affecting us and but uh it's pretty, yeah, that, pretty powerful stuff too that's why i always love that um the kind of that definition of trauma is when something happens to your body that you cannot process at the time. And, and the funny thing is because you knew like Sue's in the car, like, cause you're like, you, you can't, you can't process it at the time. So yeah. you basically have to store it in your physiology. Um, and the, the, the crazy thing about it is when you're healing from something like that, you, you don't want that sort in your physiology. So that's why that's so good to be working through that stuff because we, we think it's, Oh no, I I'm, I'm good, but you yeah. don't, you don't like in your brain, like you'll, you'll notice as a chiropractor, when you're adjusting someone, I always talk about that when you're adjusting someone and you're getting them to an area and they say, I'll just wiggle my toes, just go ahead. And, but their, their body's like, absolutely do not thrust into that. Like, cause the physiology knows, even though the brain doesn't know. So that's uh that's, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually I've seen it more in practice too now that I'm feeling feeling that more. I guess I'm just because I'm more in tune with myself now, and I'm not just pushing through. And and you know, it's uh, going through all this has been uh, you know like all those things that you know little things that used to stress me out. I mean, it sounds very kind of cheesy, or uh, but it's uh, it's amazing how like you know don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. And 
you know, I've read those books and stuff, but until you, until I actually went through this, now I'm realizing, yeah, it really is all small stuff. It is small <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah. So, so from the time that you had that brain, uh, the brain tumor zapped, um, until like, as you're going through your care, you, you said like the tumors are slowly starting to clean out of your lungs. Um, what was that time frame to go kind of from like zapping those brain tumors to like clearing out? Cause again, once you think it's like, if it's on your lungs and your, and your liver and the, the, you know, your lung lining to what, what, what was the time frame for that to kind of slowly dissipate? Well, I had my first PET scan because Kelowna just got a PET scan early the, the year after I was, or the year I was diagnosed uh, that summer. And so I had my first PET scan um, the following year, it's probably about 14 months or so after my original diagnosis. Yeah. And the PET scan um, showed that there's no active cancer. And it was, it, which was, that was, yeah, that was the, when I really knew that, you know, I, I made it or, and, uh, but it was interesting too, like, uh, you know, PET scans, not, not everybody realizes, but um, a PET scan, the way it works is it they, they attach a radionucleotide um, particle to glucose, to sugar, and inject it in there. So when I'm sitting in the room before, it, they, they roll in this um, radioactive material on a stroller, and they're in hazmat suits to inject you with this, <laughs> with this radionucleotide dye. And, uh, um, but then, and then I had to sit in the room for 45 minutes and uh, while this radioactive stuff goes to, you know, all over the body. Yeah. And cancer has cancer has an affinity for sugar, so it basically kind of sucks up the sugar, so it would suck up the that radionucleotide dye, and uh, and then when you go into the the PET scanner, it it scans your body to look for where the radiation is. And, right. Uh, and so so there there we go too. Like uh, how important it is not to have sugar. Back to when you asked me about my diet. Well, sugar was uh, you know a huge thing to. That I completely stopped too. I completely didn't have any sugar for a long time because cancer just fuels off of, of sugar. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Yeah, because I know. Yeah, so was, no, I was just going to say, what was the day? Do you know the day? Because I think you text you. You'd let us know. Was that? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know why I don't remember the date, but I have to look it up. That should, that should be the celebration date. But I, I know, remember I you guys let us know when you yeah. got that results back. Right, that was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember the exact date, but I also remember. I mean, then. Just this May, uh, May 22 was when I finished immunotherapy, and that was a huge day too. Because mm -hmm. like for for over a year, I was you know doing immunotherapy still, because just it basically helped kind of clean up any if there was any cells that that uh, you know don't necessarily show up on a PET scan, but it's still there. And then uh, but the day I finished immunotherapy was a huge celebration. I, I texted you guys that day too, and yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. And that was just this May. And then, you know, and ever since then, I, I didn't really, didn't really realize how much that stuff was really affecting me. But the longer I go away from it, the more I'm feeling more and more like myself, like I'm getting my energy back and, and feeling more alive again. Like I didn't, you know, like, cause that was kind of my new normal. I thought it was, I, everything was normal, but, but as I got further away from that, the toxicity of the immunotherapy, I'm just feeling more and more alive and energetic and starting to, um, yeah, feel better. Yeah. And now, awesome. now, now it's like when we were in, uh, when you were just here in Edmonton at our uh, seminar there, uh, you're like, now I just want to have fun right now. It's time. To yeah. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I know. And it's, it's also true. Cause now it's like those big goals I've been putting off for years. Like now I definitely want to go over. I've, I've still been a year off and that's been on my list for forever. And, uh, so now 
you know, we got to get to Europe. We just booked a, a trip to Cabo for our for our 25th wedding anniversary in, nice. uh, in February. We're going to head over to Cabo and have a good time down there. That's where we went on our honeymoon. So the funny thing was back in our honeymoon, I clearly remember sitting in the hot tub thinking, we got to do this regularly. And, and we were talking about, well, yeah, we got to come here every year. <laughs> it's been 25 years. <laughs> now we're in back. Yeah, well, but, yeah, maybe maybe the universe heard you should do it every quarter of century instead of every year. <laughs> yeah. 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 We had lots of good family trips and stuff over the years, but uh, it'll be good about to get back to Cabo. And, uh, but now we, we, we're planning out other other trips for this year and just, uh, you That's know, living life a little more to the fullest and realizing that life is precious and, and, and short day. too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so I, just in closing, I want to thank you so much for, for, uh, for sharing that. Um, cause I think that'd be super inspiring. Um, not for anyone out here, even for anyone listening who has been diagnosed with cancer, but I think just in general for general chiropractors. So I always like to ask my guests, there's chiropractors out there that are having challenges like I talked about at the beginning, like they don't have enough new patients. Maybe their their bills are are too high, or they they're having a hard time with keeping staff, or having challenge with people coming in all crazy from being isolated from COVID. Um, what kind of words of advice would you like to leave some of those chiropractors that are that are listening that need a little bit of inspiration? Well, I think that's a great question. I think the best thing is you know have the faith that if you're doing the right thing and you know, telling the truth and doing what's, what's right and on purpose and things are going to work out. You know, there's definitely ups and downs. I mean, we had some big challenges obviously uh, over the, over the years. And, uh, but it's, uh, if you're, if you're on the line of truth and you're on purpose and you're doing the right thing, things will, will work out and, uh, and, and just keep plugging away and keep doing the right things. And there's, there aren't the shortcuts. We all, you know, we all wish we could, buy the shiny object and have that, that quick uh, thing. But you know, it's, it's all about doing the work and, uh, and sticking to sticking to what we're, what we're here for and sticking to the truth and even through the challenging times. And, and also remember to stop and celebrate the good times. You know, yes. that's one thing that we didn't do enough of is, you know, actually stopping and, and really celebrating. And, you know, we're actually, uh, tonight we're throwing a party with a bunch of chiropractic friends and, uh, we're going to, Celebrate the, the good times and celebrate the, you know, what, we've, what we've all accomplished and uh, changing the changing the town here in Kelowna, making it healthier. That's great. I'm always about that too. That's why we always like to do seminars. So mostly so that we can get together with other chiropractors too, because that's, yeah, that's another big huge thing. Yeah. Now, my last favorite question, you can zip back in time, just like uh, you got a time machine and you can flip back to when you're like 18 or 19. Um, what kind of words of advice, if you were able to talk to your younger self, what, what, what do you think would be uh, some good words for advice you'd give your younger self? You know, it'd probably be what I just said, really, with like, you know, it's going to work out. Don't sweat the small stuff. And, you know, because and things happen so fast in our lives, too. Like we, you know, like I said, we, you know, we graduated, got married. Well, months later, just opened our practice. A year later, had our first child, and then two years later, our second child. Two years later, our third child. You know, it's just like with no with no time off, busy. like no time off after the children either. It's like yeah, like it was right so afterwards. busy, and, yeah. And so it was there was a lot of stress. And looking back, I could see that you know, like I could see that where that stress put, like came through. But um, I would just say, you know what, just things will work out. Whether it's you know the financial stress that'll work out, or things things will work out, and just recognize it. You know, keep doing the right things and you know and and uh and, and things will work out and uh, like i said earlier i'm you know i have a lot of faith so i know that 
God's got the plan for me and, and, and I'm going to go through those. And, so, and those challenges actually make you stronger. So get through them and, uh, and just keep going in the right direction. All right. Well, I just want to thank you so much for sharing that story. It's been uh, it's been a long time coming. I wanted to get that on the podcast, so I'm really glad that we were able to to hook that up and get it done. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for all you do, Don, and thanks for both uh, you and Brandy. With uh, it's been it's been really inspiring. With and thanks for for hosting your your live seminars too. I mean that that first live seminar we had last year that was that was amazing. We needed that. Like both Sue and I needed to get together with the tribe and and uh, have that. That, that live uh, connection, that co-regulation to, yes. uh, with, with each other. And uh, in this last seminar uh, a couple weeks ago in Evans, and that was awesome. Thanks. Thanks for all you do. Well, that's, it's our pleasure. We love it because this makes it fun when we get to hang out with people like you. So there we go. <laughs> so yeah. for everybody out there, like seriously, if you've had a bad day, uh, just listen to this podcast and like suck it up. Like there's, there's lots of people that are having challenges. And so we want to make sure that we, uh, you know, if we're having a challenge, reach out to somebody, uh, make sure you're co-regulating. A lot of times when people isolate and keep themselves hidden away from everybody, um, that almost becomes like a, a habit and they just keep doing that. And so we, we can, only help heal when we co-reg it with other people. So make sure you get out there, ask for some help, use this as inspiration to get out there and increase your, your, uh, your, your network. And uh, until the next time, everybody shift on. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you've received value from this episode, please share this with a fellow chiropractor and take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts. If you're interested in learning more about our programs and events, please visit www.thevitalityshift.com or connect with me on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out. Thank you.